Father God, we want to thank you for this evening and thank you for bringing us safe. Lord, if there be others who are joining us, will you bring them safely to us? And we pray for those who couldn't make it, that you will apportion a, a slice of blessing that you have promised to bless us with today. Oh God, uh, I pray that you will enable me to deliver it in such a way that it will uh, be intelligent, it will be useful, and ultimately, Lord, it will bring glory to your name. So in all things, Lord, uh, I pray that your spirit will grant me the wisdom, the understanding, and all that is required, Lord, to face a world which is so confused that it doesn't know the right hand from the left. Help us to that end, we pray. We ask and offer it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. I just, I'm reading this. This is just, uh, you know, it's a very familiar passage. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. But I want you to know the context of this verse. And the context of this verse is suffering for righteousness sake. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 8 on, but I'll not read those verses. Uh, it's basically in the context of right, uh, suffering, suffering for righteousness. And in verse 13 it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And uh, interestingly, it's in the context of this, couched between, on one hand, bookended by this on one end, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That is what old translations would read, newer translations read, but in your heart honor Christ the Lord as holy. Set him apart as Christ, as Lord in your life. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your, revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. It's very interesting. We often hear this verse quoted by a lot of people saying, be prepared to give an answer for your faith. But we don't really read it in the context of that verse. It's in the context of suffering for righteousness sake. So uh, what I derive from it is that suffering is a part of Christian witness. And witness, the word witness is, that is where you get the word martyr or where you are testifying God with your very life. That's where you get the word martyr, which is translated witness. So preparing, setting Christ apart as Lord in your life and being prepared to give a defense of the faith that you believe with a clear conscience, with no confusion, with no doubt, with a clear conscience in the sense like you have, means you present it with such clarity that there is nothing that colors your, you know, your, your, uh, your communication of that. You truly believe in what you say. You, can, you will give your life for it at the end of it, if need be. Because that's how transparent that belief and conviction is being birthed in your life by the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So, we are not here to, to win an argument. I used to win a lot of arguments, I can, I, I, with no false modesty, 
I have friends come and say, Jason, what you say is true, but I don't want to believe you. Doesn't make a difference. But what we would like to see is where they can say, friend, I see what you say, and I want to believe it. Okay? That's where the victory is. But then it is God who opens the heart. We will look at that maybe on Sunday, because we often work under guilt. You know, nobody is coming to Christ, but he has to draw the person first before they can even come to Christ. We will look at that, maybe God willing, this Sunday. So what I want to do... Uh, today is you're welcome to stop me at any time ask me questions I'm not an expert on this but I still remember doing some of this in grade 11 studying philosophy (laughs) Uh, and talking about ethics and morality ethics as the ought morality as the doing and things like that so it was very nostalgic it was very Interesting to go back to grade 11 and, you know, and to read up on um, writers in recent time on these topics. So I am not taking you to any depths or anything. Myself, I'm out of depth. So uh, it's, it's, it's too complicated. You don't really need it. But what we need to understand is at least some core fundamental things. Uh, about ethics and morality, which you know. There is, you will be surprised how much you know. But what I want to do is maybe provide a framework to make it easier for us to communicate and help, other, help the others understand what they are doing. Okay? So, how many of you know Brother Andrew? Yes? What did he do? Okay, what was the book's name? Remember? God's God Smuggler. Right? Okay, what did Brother Andrew do? Smuggled Bibles into Russia. And wherever it was not allowed. Okay. But what was his policy? Prayer. Prayer. But when he was smuggling Bibles, was he doing it covertly or overtly? Or means... Huh? How, how was he doing? With a cargo of Bibles. Uh-huh. He never lied. He never lied. And on the cartons, what? Clearly marked Bibles. They, it was clearly marked. He would, he, and he said, if they stop me, I will not lie. And if they ask me what it is, I will not lie. He prayed for seeing eyes to be blind. Blind, okay. And he smuggled thousands of Bibles into restricted areas. Why? One thing, he believed that telling lie under any circumstances is not right. Telling lies under any circumstances is not right. Hard, right? He was doing a wonderful... Do you agree that giving about Bibles is a good thing? Do you agree? And especially in a place like China or Russia or wherever, would it be wrong to tell a lie to get a Bible inside? Maybe change the cover of the Bible and put something on it and just take it in? Would that amount to deception? Okay. So these are some of the issues, right? It's complicated. It's not that easy. And I'm going to make it a little more complicated this evening. Okay? You may ask, you know, doctor may say, I didn't give them the full, you know, diagnosis because that could kill the person immediately. He may or she may have another few weeks. Why tell them that? You know, yeah, you may live for six months, but actually you may just live for three days. Okay? So... But at the same time, so there are some absolutes, all right? Telling lies under any circumstances is wrong. But there are some things which are obligatory. 
Huh? Yeah, means that doesn't work for us, right? But there are certain things which are not absolutes. Like, for example, which side of the road you drive will depend on which country you are in. So some drive right, some drive on the left. It's not an absolute rule that everybody has to be driving in the middle of the road. Right? It's either left or right, depending if you're in Britain or you're in Canada or you are in India or you are in the United Arab Emirates, wherever that may be. Okay, let me just uh, define it for you. What is morality? Morality, simply put, is right conduct. It deals with virtuous, uh, you know, character. It deals with good intentions. It, uh, and anything that springs forth from it. Action. Basically, morality. Oh, that was a moral. He is a morally upright person. Or that's a morally... Uh, right choice or it's a moral choice it's an action okay and what ethics try to do is it tries to study morality it tries to study morality it tries to see the philosophical and theological you know it tries to analyze morality it likes to see what morality is all about okay so even if you don't get that it's fine okay but just keep this distinction. When you talk about morals, all what you're talking about is the action part of it, the doing part of it, which springs from a good character or good intentions or something like that. Okay, so it basically has to do with the doing, the character, the, the being, right? So he's a good person. Uh, he is... Yeah, what she has done is such a, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. Or that's evil. That's not right. Those are moral statements. What ethics try to do is that we try to explain, we try to explain it philosophically and theologically, these moral or right conduct, which we say call right Okay, or wrong. You got that? So, now, even if you didn't get any of those things, I want you to understand, you know, a little bit of what I'm going to say now. Now, I said ethics is a study of morality, philosophical and theological analysis of morality, okay? Now, ethics can be you know, is at three levels. Now, I want you to just, and I will give you examples, okay, to make it interesting. When you talk about ethics, you are looking at, at, you can look at it from three levels. One is called descriptive ethics. The second is normative or prescriptive ethics. And the third ethic, level of ethics is Meta-ethics or metaphysical means it goes beyond. Meta means above and beyond. Now, descriptive ethics is it describes an action. Oh, like for example, do people, you know, do, do people self-sacrifice for someone else? So do mothers, you know, ignoring themselves, their, their comfort and other things, do they do actions at the cost, you know, which cost them so much to help someone else, their children, for example. So that's a descriptive statement. Like, yeah, do people self-sacrificially love others? You understand? So, so what could be another example of descriptive ethics? You are just stating a moral behavior. Think of one. Do people give sacrificially? That could be a descriptive statement. Okay. It could be, do people lie? But what is lie? We'll have to look at that. 
okay but what is normative ethics normative ethics is it evaluates okay it evaluates that is for example that my example do people you know uh, involve in sex uh, self sacrificial behavior so normative ethics will ask is that good is self sacrifice a good thing okay and what metaethics would ask is what makes it good okay so let me just and i will give you some examples then it will it will it will become a bit more clear so descriptive ethics simply portrays moral action or virtues do people act sacrificially normative or pres prescriptive ethics evaluates action and virtues as morally right or wrong is self sacrifice good and meta ethics clarifies the meaning of ethical terms and assesses principles of ethical argument etc etc how do we know self sacrifice is good okay so let me just put it together okay so i'm trying to think of a good example what would be a good example uh let's say the widow in the bible she gives whatever she has and she puts it in the in the offering all right so a descriptive ethic a person an ethicist would say do people actually do that that's a description do people actually give everything that they have for the cause of christ or you know for a cause normative ethics would ask is that good okay and they might just to add a little more color let's say they have a family and their children are going to starve likely going to starve because of the husband's action so then does it make it good and meta at a higher level they will ask you know questions like what makes it good or what makes it wrong you got it so that is how you know at different levels now these are this is important for us when we deal with people in society you will see why it is so okay i want to talk a little bit today what i want to do is talk about the the catch all phrase relativism everything is relative right there is no no absolutes so what are absolutes to begin with let me ask you any idea what are absolutes what are absolutes yeah okay so white is not black all right okay like brother andrew you tell no lie under any circumstance that's an absolute right but driving on which side of the road would that be an absolute it won't be an absolute right so an absolute statement is you shall not murder that is true in any culture right anywhere it is true you shall not kill it is true in all cultures you shall love your god with all your heart mind and soul is an absolute statement for a christian okay so we live in a world which is relative okay so now we are going to look at relative relative means it it we are going to look at it from the three levels okay so first we are going to look at it from a cultural or descriptive level relativism okay so <clears throat> let's let's see okay i'm going to give you an example it may be a bit crass but bear with me there's let's say there's society a 
and there is society B. Okay? They both agree on what is right and what is wrong. How do I put this? One society believes killing seniors is a good thing. One society believes that killing seniors is a wrong thing. So one society, society A believes killing seniors is a good thing. Society B believes that killing seniors is a bad thing. Now, what do you think? Why would society A believe that killing seniors is a good thing? They have been merciful rather than being cruel, yeah? Less burden. Huh? Quality of Okay. Why would a society think it is wrong? Huh? They are human. Life is sacred. You shall not kill. That's for a Christian, right? But let, we are not talking. We are, we are just... You know, if there is no Bible. Okay? Now, let me just add a little bit to it. Now, society A believes that when a person means what a person will become after Okay? Is going to be, means like, if I die now, when I come back to life, I'll be this. But if I die old and, you know, all physically lame and things like that, then when I come again in the next life, I'll be a lame person. So this society believes when the person is, when the person is a bit old and healthy and can walk and run around, kill the person so that this person, when the person is born in the next life, will be a healthy person. That make a difference to how you look at society A killing seniors? They believe that if you let this person live for too long and loses his mind and you know he's crippled in the next life, he's going to come without his mind and being crippled. But if you will kill him when he is alive and good and he can think, he will be, in the next life, he'll be a healthier person. So now how, does, how do you think? What do you think? Society A wrong in killing the person? Huh? <laughs> Is society wrong? No, we are not going, going anywhere. We are taking everything at face value. Yeah, yeah, just face value. Because you are talking to the world. Just face value. Yeah. That's more merciful too. Yeah? Yeah, that's more merciful too. You see? People's belief informs their rightness or wrongness of things. So see, it is not that they differ with us on what is right and wrong. Now you've got to get this very clear. It is not that they differ with us on what is right and wrong because they agree with us what is right and wrong. But what they differ is based on facts. So because they believe that killing a healthy senior is better than letting a senior go demented and then die because in the next life you are actually doing a favor to that person. Okay, so in there, so the difference may be factual, not moral. That's my point. 
you know Jehovah's, dub, dub, uh, Jehovah's Witness? And we keep telling how they are because they don't believe in blood transfusion. But they think it is perfectly right. Why? Why do they believe it's right? Because of their belief. So how do you deal with a Jehovah's Witness who doesn't believe in blood transfusion? <clears throat> okay. Now I want you to know that uh, this cultural relativism or the, the, at, at the first level, that it is not a statement on morality, it's just a description, it's just a statement on what people do and what people don't do in a society, okay? And uh, you cannot make absolutes based on that, we'll look at that later. The second level, what I said is normative or prescriptive level, right? So. What they basically say is that everybody should act according to what their society believes. Everybody acts according to what their society believes. So one society may believe adultery is perfect and normal. One society may believe it is wrong. But both are right. Here again, they both understand what is right. They both agree on what is right and what is wrong. All right? They both understand what is wrong and right. There is no disagreement on what is right and what is wrong. But what they believe is different. They say one society says adultery is right. One society says adultery is wrong. In our society, we have like the rich young swinging bachelors and bachelorettes who believe one night stands is perfectly fine in their society, right? A church group like ours will say, that's not right. But what's the problem with that? Okay. Now this is, okay. So now, do you, do you see where, where I'm coming from? You know, in our society, in some circles, some things are right. In some circles, something is not right but something else is right, which is not right here. So we have small pockets. So it becomes very difficult to define what a society is in our times. Because in our office, we have, we have small groups. In, in, you're okay to be what you want in your college, for example. Your college group will believe in one set of values. You come to the church, you have another set of values. You are in your home, you have another set of values. You are affiliated to a certain club, they have another set of values. And everybody is right as long as you are in that society. For example, let's say, <clears throat> society believes adultery is right, society believes adultery is wrong. Okay? So this is society B. And it so happens there is a man and a woman from society A and society B, they meet somewhere in the middle. And they do involve in, you know, sex. Who decides what is wrong and what is right? You see the confusion? You see the confusion? So now we are going to look at some of the problems that it is a description of our society. It is not that they disagree with us on what is right and wrong. It is basically they say it is okay. As long as you are within the norms of the society, it's fine. Your fraternity believes this to be true, it's okay. If your fraternity believes that it is not true, then it is not true. But both agrees on what is true. and But the rightness or wrongness of an act is based on what your group believes. So in college, to rag someone, you know, as an initiation ceremony is perfectly acceptable. But can you do that in an office where a new employee comes in? You get the example? Okay. So you see, so 
ragging is okay in a college setting for newcomers, but it is not okay in an office setting for newcomers. But there is a problem. First thing, as I said, what are societies? You know, you tend to you know, go, you know, you are not able to because there is a contradiction. This person who is ragging in college may be a member of the church, like a brother in church, where you're not supposed to do things like that anywhere, all right? Or you are, you are part of a, you know, a group of people in, uh, uh, you know, in your office who does all kinds of crazy things, but you are at the same time part of this NLBC. You're not supposed to do it. So there's a conflict. You know, what is society? Which society do you belong to? You know, which society will define your actions? How is it going to be? So when Daniel was in Babylon, they would say, be a Babylonian. So it's like when you are in Rome, be a Roman. That is what, it, what I'm talking about. But then you have to decide, how do you decide what is Rome at the end of the day? Okay, as we said, one can be a member of more than one society. There is another problem with such kind of normative uh, relative ethics at that normative level is what we call as a reformer's dilemma. For example, what did Martin Luther King Jr. do? He questioned the established norms of society. What did Abraham Lincoln do? He, he questioned the established norms of society. So when a reformer, the moment you say he's a reformer, you are actually saying that person is working society. But in a society where rightness or wrongness is decided by what the group feels is right or wrong, then that reformer is, you know, what is he or she reforming at the end of the day? So there are no reformers in a society like this. Because the moment you say you want to bring change, you're going against your very ethical standards, which is decided by the society. So it's basically what the majority thinks is wrong. Can you think of some actions which you think would be wrong regardless of what society believes in? Do you think there are any actions which are wrong in spite of what society thinks? Can you think of one example? Yeah. Huh? Lying. No. So in some religion, even lying is sanctioned for a greater good. The, que the question is, are there some actions which are wrong in spite of what society may believe. Huh? Pardon? Tell me. Go ahead. Okay. But some society feel abortion is good for the mother's health. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Huh? Murder? See how difficult it is becoming even to decide on some act which is wrong in spite of what society huh? Slavery, but in some society it is humans are property and they feel it perfectly okay. United States and uh, many other countries, not just United States, even in Canada we had slavery. Can you think of at least one act which transcends all societal 
norms and it is wrong. <laughs> you see how well you're brainwashed. But anyway. Ah, okay. He's holding a child, so he's realizing. Uh, well, my point is, there are some actions yeah. which are wrong in spite of whatever the society believes or doesn't believe. Like suicide. Uh, and so, like, you, like, die or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, there is, but there are some extreme cases, like child. Any society that would be seen as barbarous. Sacrifice. They killed babies. They did that. Yeah, okay. But there's a context to it, but I agree with you. I agree with you. It's gruesome. Okay? Huh. Oh yeah, that child sacrifice has been common across the world. It's not just, yeah, yeah. And uh, whether they, when they don't want a girl child who is born, there is a ceremonious, there is a ceremony how to kill the baby girl. You, 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 you drown them in milk. So they fill a big pot with milk and you drown them in milk. So it's a very nice way of doing, drinking milk you die. But there are some, you know, our society, our world is such a, such a, you know, that is what sin has done to us, right? It has corrupted our mind to a point where even deciding what can be universally wrong is now become a problem, even in a group like ours. We will differ on many things. Yeah? What is it? Huh? What? So, but at the same time, what I want to bring home is, deep within ourselves, there is a sense that it is not right. For example, child abuse. That is why society will put a child abuser behind bars. Okay, whatever you say, at the end of the day, there is a sense that it is not right. You're not comfortable with it, let's put it that way. Okay. Though they're trying to make it more comfortable by saying it is genetic and things like that. Okay. So then the other question is, how can one society blame the other? Okay. If your, your society believes that that to be right, and if my society believes something else to be right, I cannot blame you, you cannot blame me. So there is no conversation. And one, another thing is that, you know, that itself is an absolute. We will look at that later, okay? But what really, really bothers me much more than descriptive ethics or cultural relativism or normative relativism is the meta, the higher level in which I believe we find ourselves today. The question how do we decide what is good and what is, what is right and what is wrong? What is good and evil? That is the problem that we face. So what at the meta level, at, the, at that third level, what they are saying is that even the idea of what is good is relative. So at the cultural level, at the normative level, at the cultural level, we said, what did we say? What, what was it that I said about cultural relativism? 
is at least they knew, at least they agreed on one thing, what is right and what is wrong, right? What is good and what is evil, they agreed on it. At the normative level also they agree, this is good or this is bad. But then, you, how you decide what is good and what is evil is based on what the society believes. But at the third level, the whole problem is, they say, even the idea of what is good or what is evil or what is right or what is wrong depends on society's definition. That means, let's say this is one society, this is one society. You say, this is what I believe is, this is how I define good or this is how I define right. It may be just the opposite of how you what is right and what is wrong or what is good and evil. So you see, we have actually moved from cultural relativism, okay, where the difference may be because of facts like the Jehovah's Witness. They don't believe in blood transfusion simply because of something what they believe in, right? But they agree on what is right and what is wrong. They agree with us. If we say this is not right, they understand when we say this is not right, means they understand the idea of what is right and wrong. Even when we come to a normative level, that is at the second level, how do we decide if something is good, they at least agree again with us what is good, what is not good. But that good will be defined by what the society agrees or the society doesn't agree, right? But at the third level, and that is where we are, it is a result of deconstruction and things like that. But what, where we have reached is, we are now saying you cannot even define what is good for all of us. What is good is defined by the different groups in society or different society. So what I define as good may not be what you define as good. What I define as wrong may never be what you define as wrong. And I think that is where the world is today. How do you know that? What is one of the most common phrases that you hear in our world today? Yes. That's what you believe. Yes, that's what you believe. There is another common phrase. If it feels good, do it. But at least there is some agreement on your truth and my truth. You believe that what is true, something. But you're going at a higher level and trying to define, try, you know, now you... What is good? That is at the third level. What is good? Now, there is another phrase which we use often which is called good for you. Basically, you have defined your truth. You define your truth in your own way. You define your life in your own way. What you believe, you believe. Those are, now we have reached a stage where you cannot even talk in terms of you're wrong or you're right. How many of you dare tell your friends that they are wrong? Do you tell anyone that you're wrong anymore? When was the last time you told someone that you were wrong? In the church, you can tell each other, you're wrong or you're right. But once you leave the, leave the circle of your church, what do you do? Do you ever tell anyone that they are wrong? Huh? And what do they tell you? Uh-huh. <clears throat> what, what, okay, let's take that. When her friend said it is okay, what was he trying to say? I'm fine with it. You think I'm fine with it? I have no problem because that's what you believe. So see, there is no communication. You know, the moment someone comes and tells me, yeah, that's fine, that's, that's okay. 
What they're actually saying is, I'm okay with it. That's what you believe. I have no problem. So why are we communicating? Are we talking anymore? Do you think that is happening in our church? See, we are talking outside, right? I want to bring it inside. Is that happening in our churches? It becomes uncomfortable, right? Do you think it is happening in our churches? In what way? I don't think we have come to a stage of meta. There are liberal theologians and things like that have come to that point. But are we at that cultural relativism or normative relativism? You know, what do we say? Oh, you believe that? Okay, that's fine. Is that what you practice in your church? Okay, that's good. Oh, you go to which church? Oh, and what do they do? Oh yeah, that's nice, very nice. Do we ever tell them, if we know that to be wrong, do we tell them that's wrong? Or we just say it's fine. Basically what we're saying is, what you believe, what you have created for yourself is fine, and what we're creating is fine. Do we tell that among ourselves? There's a common lingo that goes around between us when we have differences. So, forget the defense part of it. What is happening there? Tell me. What are we? What kind of culture are we creating? Huh? Non-confrontational. But go beyond that. From an ethical point of view, I want you to look at it. See, there is a saying which says, you know, no, you know. Charity in all things, and what is it? Yeah, essentials, unity, and yeah, charity in other things, right? Uh, so essentials. So nowadays, essentials. I don't know how many essentials remain with us anymore because of the influence of society, because the way we are starting to think, we are starting to think relative. We are starting to think it's okay for you to believe that. It's okay for me to believe that. It is okay for someone else to believe what they want to believe. It is not okay. Because the world has now crept in. See, there is only one truth. And ten of us may say ten different things and we all may be wrong. Or one may be right and all the other nine will be wrong. But not all ten can be true about that one thing. We have to get that very clear. That is why sometimes I find it a little bit of a problem when you have group Bible studies, you know. Oh, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What everybody else thinks? And we say, oh, very nice, good, good, fantastic, great. That's it. And that's the end of it. Not that it is not possible. People give different facets. It brings out different truths. Okay, but we have come to a point where even in churches, relativism is a growing phenomenon by statements like, it's okay what you believe, it's fine, and there is nothing wrong. We all differ on different things. There's nothing wrong. But do we come back to the Bible and say, this is our absolute standard? Let's go back to it. And let's look at it together.
Forget talking to the world. Forget, you know, trying to communicate to the world. Let's begin communicating to ourselves rather than saying it's okay to believe what you want to believe, say what you want to say. Because that is the influence of relativism in the church of God today. Because there is an absolute standard and that absolute standard is this. And if we differ, what, should, what would be the right response? Let's say we have two different opinions on a certain thing. We may never resolve it, but what would be the right approach to it? How do you solve it? Or how do you strive on that issue? What would you do? You will labor in the word to see what God's word is saying, rather than be satisfied. Okay, what you believe, it's okay. What I believe is okay. As long as we are still friends. Right? Isn't that what we do with the world? Isn't that why we don't confront anyone? Because we want to be friends. We don't want to offend anyone. So how do we talk to someone who, is, who has a very different idea of what is wrong and what is right? I'm talking at the third level now. Their whole idea of what is right and wrong is different. Then how do you talk to them? We find it difficult to talk to people in our church. So how do you talk to people outside? Who do not even have an idea of what is right and wrong. And who will say, good for you, if it works for you, great. You know, as long as you believe it brings you great, you know, as long as it helps, it's fine. Isn't that a good response when people talk about yoga or some things like that? Oh, yeah, that's fine. As long as it gives you some health benefits, okay. Like, means justifies the end. Hmm? So I just wanted to scratch the surface and I didn't want to take it outside. I just wanted to bring it home. Because one of the things that really concerns me in Christendom today, it's not just here, is that even Christians do not know the right from the left, a lot of them. You have come, we have come to a point where we don't know where we stand. We don't want to, you know, when we have differences, do we come to the Bible to look at we may never resolve it in our lifetime, that is okay. But do we give Bible, the Bible the place it should have in terms of its absolute authority for life and living? That's my question. If we don't have that in our life and in our community, forget about going out to the world and telling them that this is true. That is one of the purposes of why I wanted to talk about ethics and morality. Not because it will, you know, half the things or maybe three-fourths of the things that I might have spoken, you might have not really got through, but that's fine. I also don't get a lot of things. It's perfectly fine. But what I want to do is just help you think. And what I want to do, if possible, is that we, when we have differences, we will come back to the Bible and we will struggle together to see what the Bible says. Like, for example, what does the Bible talk about abortion? What does the Bible talk about euthanasia? See, once we are clear about what the Bible talks here and we are in some way united here, then it becomes easy for us to go and talk about that to the world. What does God say about, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? It may not be in keeping with scientific discoveries. But what does the Bible say? And if the Bible says something which is contrary to the scientific discoveries, then how do we make sense of it? Classic example would be evolution. When we talk to people who believe in evolution, means you know, I'll give you an example and then I'll close. There is this guy who's very intelligent. He did his BSc in 
neuroscience, then he left it. You know, very highly intelligent guy who works with me. He's just 28, 29 years old. He's already, you know, we work as colleagues. He will become, he will go up the ladder for sure. Good guy. And uh, I was just talking to him and uh, about, you know, he just, he loves to talk to me about God and things like that. So, and I don't talk to him. I don't share. I don't give him any, any kind of information. But he'll still keep digging, you know. So, <clears throat> he, he said, uh, he, we were talking about God and he said, yeah, let's say you were in one island. Okay? And uh, you were the only person. And suddenly you were sitting, uh, you know, you were hungry and you were sitting under a coconut tree and the coconut fell on your head, you know. And then you say, wow, I was sitting here, I was just looking at the mountains and the coconut fell on my head. Maybe something is there and then, you know. And the next time you're hungry, you still, you go and sit under a coconut tree and hope that another coconut falls. And then it doesn't fall. Then you say, then you start saying, okay, let me do something to the tree. And, you know, he says, that is how you create religion. Basically, he was giving a big example. All right. And that is how humans created God. Okay. I said, you are right. I said, you are 100% right, I said. And he was like looking at me and said, what? That's how we create God? I said, yes, that's how you create God. And I said, Mark said, even before you said, uh, you know, religion is the opium of people. He said, what the heck are you saying? You're a Christian, you're a pastor, and you're telling me that? And then I told, I told him, my friend, that is why God had to become man. So that you will know the real God. Otherwise, you all will keep creating your own gods. Absolutely bang on. You are right 100%. And I said, that is why God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. So that you and I can know him. You and I can know the real God. You know what happened? He didn't know what to say. Sometimes you just need to listen. Sometimes you just the other person's worldview. And at another time I was talking, <laughs> you know, to an that person was saying, we create meaning. We create meaning to anything. We're reading a novel, I create meaning what the writer is saying, you know. So I said, perfectly fine, we all create meaning. And the next thing I said is, well, if you keep creating meaning for your own self, then there is no communication. And I just left. That is at the third level of ethics. You see? If you are going to decide what is good, if you are going to define what is good and what is evil, can I have a conversation with you about good and evil? I can't. Because your idea of good and my idea of good may be Never be the same. So, communication. So, what did I tell them? These two young ladies, you know, officers in our office. I told them, well, there is no communication. I cannot talk to you anymore. <laughs> they are looking at me and saying, ah, that's true. I so, you see... Just try to, you know, just try to get into that habit of trying to think. You know, the Bible says that you should think before you speak. Actually, it says that. I was reading somewhere in the scripture. It actually says that you should listen. Be eager to listen before you speak. Uh, if you listen and if you have trained your mind to think in a certain way, uh, like critically thinking, and I want you to carry it into the church too, in the church community. That is what iron sharpening iron is all about. It's not shaking your head to each other. Okay? I'm serious. Iron sharpening iron is where you start critically thinking, keeping your Bible as the base, 
and having the courage to say, let us go to the scriptures. And we will look at that next week, how for us the scripture is the basis for all. You know. Before we do that, the tolerance. Think, I don't want it to answer. You know, tolerance, we should be tolerant people. Okay. My question for you to think is, do you think the principle of tolerance can work in a relativistic society? The principle of tolerance, can it truly work in a relativistic society? Would you remember that? People say you should be tolerant, right? We should be tolerant of everything, everybody and all that. But such a principle, will it have leg to stand in a relativistic society? Think about it. And next time someone comes and tells you, you should be tolerant, you will have something to tell them. Okay? You promised about it at least? Okay. So, if there is any prayer request, we will pray.